example, we'll talk a little bit about guesting initially, but uh, we will be quickly moving into the the leveraged podcast hosting strategy, like the triple P monetization strategy, for example, and um, uh, philanthropic workshop um, summits. You know, we have guest speakers. There's a lot that's going on. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We'll be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. What's up, Vision Pros, and welcome in for another episode. I'm your host, Jackson Callum, founder of First Class Business, and I want to give a quick shout out, as always, to Epiphany. Uh, Rick Meekins is a phenomenal business owner and helps businesses with 30 or more uh, employees scale out the systems and build. He's really a systems architect, um, and he's great at building proposals for people who are trying to navigate the uh, the mucky waters of CRMs. Um, you know, when you're building out a system for CRMs, you're trying to build out customer fulfillment satisfaction, and you're trying to get your marketing streamlined with what you're supposed to be doing to fulfill. All of that can get fairly convoluted. Uh, he's an expert in that space. Now, AbleHealth.us, another one of our sponsors. Um, I highly recommend checking out what Dr. Seth Yates is doing over there for Able Health. Um, just go to AbleHealth.us. You can opt in and see what he's creating to help provide a naturopathic experience to anybody with an internet connection. And of course, we have The Water Project. Um, the Water Project is an excellent program that helps people get access to clean drinking water. If you're in a position to be able to help out, uh, it doesn't hurt to donate just a dollar to that program and see where it goes to help which which community you want to help build out, whether it's a sand dam or borehole well to get clean drinking water for people who are in need. I highly recommend contributing to the water project. So today we've got an extra host, I'm sorry, an extra guest on our show. Cheryl um, is running an event at the end of this month called the Icon Maker Live event. She helps people specifically with their podcast launch, and she has a couple of business partners, one being Tom Matson. Uh, some of you may have heard of Tom. He's been involved in way more than, I think it's more than 80 business ventures. I'll get that um, confirmed by Cheryl when she comes on. Uh, Danella Burnett as well and, and Jeff Levin are all part of this process. Their goal is to exit within three to five years they're very good at building business models, uh, getting people invited to those business models. There's a lot you can learn from her as a former TV host as well, I believe. Um, I'll give her that accolade. I'll let her confirm that as well. But she rocks the mic, that's for sure. And she can teach you to do the same. So without further ado, let's get Cheryl out here. And uh, Cheryl, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate it. Hi, Jackson. So great to be here. You, you, you were absolutely right that uh, Tom has built many, many businesses in his career. It's actually up, I think, right now to 93. Nice. So he did cross the 80 mark, but that's long gone in the past already. So 93 business ventures. He has partnered with you. And if you don't mind, tell me some highlights about your background, because I know you have a lot of experience in podcasting, but you also hold yourself really well on camera. So teach me about that. Where did all this expertise come from? This all started when I was 18 years old. I was tapped on the shoulder when I was volunteering at a cable TV station, literally pulling cables. And someone, a producer, tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, we don't have a host for our new ma news magazine program. Do you want to give it a try? And I had never done anything of the sort, but I had been doing a little bit of local modeling at that point and had ambitions to become the next uh, Mary Hart in my head. So I said, I said sure, I'll, I'll jump into that. So I went and I, I started hosting this show and I found that I loved it. I found that I was 
I had a talent for it. So what mm. I ended up doing was really building a desire to build a career in that space. It took some time. It was, uh, I think before I was 30, I was, I think I was 28 years old or so before I landed my national TV gig. And then I stayed there for 17 years and moved up the ranks of management and leadership. And, uh, and really the rest is history, but I did spend, you know, 25 years in television, 17 of those years on national television. So I've had a lot of experiences in media. Amazing. Now, do you have a favorite experience or two uh, that you can think of that you'd love to share? What was that like? <laughs> As a TV broadcaster, one of my most cherished memories was going up to Quebec City. I'm from Canada. So we went to Quebec City and we spent several nights and days at the Ice Hotel. So believe, believe it or not, there's actually a hotel that's made out of ice. And so you sleep wow. on an ice bed, you drink from ice glasses. And it was a phenomenal experience. It was fun. That's awesome. I heard about it. Um, and as a Texan, I steered far away. Um, <laughs> from it, but it was fun. To I can understand why. I understand why. <laughs> no, it's cool. I bet that I bet that was an awesome experience. Um, so uh, everybody that's listening in, Cheryl owns a training company that advises business coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs. And she helps them scale their businesses. Um, and uh, I'll be honest, um, I'm a new podcast. You guys know I'm a new podcaster. Um, I'm a little bit intimidated by this process. I, I did not ever envision like, whoa, you know what? I want to wake up and I want to rock the mic and get on camera. Uh, that was so far out of my comfort zone to decide to do this. So um, do you work with business? Do you find that your business owners that come to you are just ready to throw it out on camera or are they timid and terrified of the process? I think certainly run into both. I, I run into people who have big aspirations to get their mission and message out into the world, but who have a little bit of fear around that. Here's the thing. I believe that's very natural. I think it's really, this is, it's really natural to have a little bit of fear or maybe some anxiety or nerves around doing that because it's a foreign medium to most people. So I think that's perfectly fine. When I was a college professor, I used to teach mm -hmm. Broad, uh, broadcast journalism students to do on-camera work, on-camera on performance before they were set off into the world of journalism. And my classes were comprised of some people who were, you know, the A-types who were like, yeah, gregarious, let's go. I want to be on camera. I want to be a star. Uh, you know, is this my good side type of thing? And then mm -hmm. I had other students who were terrified. And so I had to work with all different kinds of people. I think that really gave me a good foundation for dealing with entrepreneurs today who might come into this with varying degrees of experience and desire to get in front of the camera. Absolutely. That's huge. Um, thank you for the background on that. So um, with, that, with that being said, let's dive into one of the core questions that we ask our, our guests that come onto the show, and that's in 15 seconds. What is your personal vision? My personal vision is to help business coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs to make the money that they deserve to be making based on the experience, insights, and, and expertise that they have. Okay. That overlaps into the second question, which is perfectly fine. That's what's your vision for those that you serve? Um, and so with those that you serve, what are some other outcomes that you're looking for for these entrepreneurs? I think that the the vision really is to help people step into a business that actually works for them and for their life. So they're not on a hamster wheel of operational overwhelm and get them to a place where they're able to take time off, richly deserved time off and be able to actually live their lives. 
Okay. Very good. Um, and so these, uh, one of the things we were talking about before we dove in today um, was the reality that 10% of business owners um, reach the six figure mark and only 2% reach seven figures. Um, neither one of those being a fantastic uh, accolade, um, right? One that we want to see, we would love to see many more um, arrive, um, you know, financially being able to expand what they do. So um, what, what made you hone in on those specific statistics and, you know, why, why is this so important to you to accomplish for people? I mean, I think it's really about freedom, you know, who doesn't want to have more freedom in their lives. And, and I think that when we look at those statistics, I mean, they're alarming. We have a lot of people with rich experience to share, but just don't have the right business acumen or business strategy in, in, in order to be able to achieve the bigger levels of financial success that they should have. You know, it's funny. I was just talking to someone earlier today, Jackson. We were talking about how six figures, that's not the goal. The goal is not six. You have to be thinking way bigger than that if you want to have true financial freedom. It's not yeah. just six figures. It's so much more than that. We should be aspiring and helping people get to seven figures and beyond if they want to have right. true freedom in their lives. Right. I, I agree with that completely. Um, you know, whether you're counting for inflation or not, there's just so many expenses um, that exist in life and so many, you know, it, it can sound, it can come across as elitist, um, you know, because of the, the disparity that exists in the economy of the world at large. But when you're trying to provide for multiple families as an entrepreneur, not just your own, um, you know, and you're trying to make sure that your company's protected against liabilities um, and you're trying to make sure that you can scale to be able to serve more people. Um, all of that has a cost associated with it. So um, I guess if it's not the six figure territory, the seven figure territory, what is the territory you're guiding people towards? Well, we're focused on seven figures as a minimum. Right. And and so our seven figure podcaster program is doing it through podcasting. It's how do you leverage a business podcast to get to seven figures and beyond? Let's okay. let's start with the seven figures and get that nailed down and then be able to grow and scale from there. Um, but that's really yeah. what we're uh, focused on helping people to do is think big so, and dream big. You know, a lot of people think really small. I don't know if that's a function, Jackson, of just what we see on the Internet or we see a lot of messages around six figure, six figure. And people don't really think beyond that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I don't know if it's a circles thing. Um, most of the people that I talk to um, are, are looking at the seven figure reality. They're they're entrepreneurs who, um, you know, they're, they're after big impact. They understand the value of it. Um, and they're also looking at goals, right? Smart goals versus BHAGs. Are you familiar with both terms? I am. I am. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it sounds like your, your goal is to, um, I think the seven figure goal is, is a smart goal path, um, right? Where you're saying, hey, let's accomplish this um, by tactic A, B, and C, um, right? Let's tackle these challenges. And uh, it sounds like you're also making space for the BHAGs. For those listening in, that's the big, hairy, hairy audacious, audacious goals, goals. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. These are the ones that, that get people to the moon, um, you know, that break world records. Um, sounds like you have space for both in your program. So tell us about Icon, um, Icon Maker Live. Icon Maker Live is a, a three-day virtual event, game-changing event for people who want to learn how to um, 
as you pointed out here, unleash your potential to be able to scale your business and become an industry icon. We do that by looking at it through the lens of podcasting because podcasting can really help a business owner reach the right people. And we have a very specific philosophy around how to leverage podcasting effectively in the short, medium term. Um, and that is to look at it through what I call the three P's. That's patrons, partners, and platforms. And we break that down during the Icon Maker live event to be able to really nail down what does that mean if you're looking to scale, if you want to have impact, if you want to pursue that expert status. Uh, that's what we do over the course of the three days. We essentially lay out and teach the entire process, the entire plan of how you can earn seven figures with a business podcast in two years or less guaranteed. And that's an important distinction. A lot of people in the podcasting and frankly, in the coaching space are not willing to necessarily stand behind their programs with a guarantee. We guarantee it because of the way that we've structured the process. So it's a unique way of approaching the, the, the process. And we feel like we're able to help more people by structuring it this way. So day one, we talk about magnetizing. Um, on day two, we're really digging into the monetization piece. And the day third day, we talk about exponentializing and uh, helping people to grow their podcast to grand scale. Awesome. And uh, are you the, the sole teacher in this uh, event or are there several people who are, who are also teaching with you? What does that look like? It's not just me. I mean, I certainly will be teaching some key elements, but Tom Matson will be uh, really a big teacher within the event itself as well. Danelle is going to take the stage at certain points as well. Uh, Jennifer Deep Stratton is taking the stage. Jeff Levine is going to be helping as well. I, I believe Jeff is going to also be heavily involved in the mastermind that's happening happening the, in person the day before the event. We have Stuart Townsend, who is coming in from Podcast Hawk, which is a, one of our uh, title sponsors, to come in and talk about what he does best. And so, and, and some other speakers who are yet to be named and displayed on the website, but we have a lot of wonderful people coming in to speak. That's awesome. There's a, there's a lot of depth to that lineup. Um, and so with podcasting, we've got entrepreneurs out there who are, are meddling with it, considering that. I remember when Dr. Seth Yates of Able Health, he launched a podcast and he said, Hey Jackson, I'm going to use this anchor.fm thing, um, to just launch it. And next thing you know, he's been going uh, to and from his office. And every time he does, he records a new episode. Um, and within a couple of, of uh, months, he had 40 episodes recorded um, and people were loving what he's putting out there. It was it was kind of that simple. He's also a unicorn in that he's a great designer. He's a great editor um, and, and he ha he has other skill sets. But um, I imagine uh, what what type of level does somebody need to be with tech in order to benefit from Icon Maker Live? You know, when I when I talk about Icon Maker Live, I speak to it from the perspective of the joint venture that I'm a part of, along with mm -hmm. uh, my business partners. But prior to joining in the joint venture, I was also teaching the same philosophy to students who were doing it themselves. And so I had devised really a process and a suite of tools, tech tools that they could use to effectively do their podcasts in an hour per week without any editing. And so I'm a big proponent of looking at ways that you can make this as efficient as possible so that you can stay committed to the process. Because as you know, that's really one of the foundations of having 
this, the podcast be successful for you is you have to be producing it. Um, yeah. And it, that the production part is what eludes a lot of people. Why a lot of people fade away from doing podcasting is they get their process is so heavy and so um, reliant on them doing every single thing, or they're not using the most effective tools to allow for there to be efficiency. So um, I love, you know, for example, you're using StreamYard um, to do this live. I like yes. Restream, but these are tools that are available to the to us that were never available, you know, that were not available years ago. And so utilizing tools like this can really help to cut down on the production, but I'm a big proponent of, of efficiencies for sure. And this is one of the ways in which you could do that. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, so let's talk about some of those other um, failure realities. Like let's save some entrepreneurs from doing this themselves. Um, right. Uh, so many launch a podcast, they burn out or they launch a podcast worse. They go for seven, eight, nine years, um, and never end up achieving the results that they want. What are some of the common pitfalls that they run into? Well, I think it depends on your intent going into it. If your intent is to use a podcast for business, you might find it very frustrating if you're not making any money. And so that could be in and of itself, the impetus to want to not do the podcast anymore if it isn't quote unquote working for you. That is a strategic problem, right? You haven't thought through what is the strategy in order for me to be able to get clients. And so what happens in the podcasting space often is that people are focused solely and there's nothing wrong with being focused on the audience. We should not ignore the audience. But what a lot of people do is they solely focus on audience building because their strategy is to get advertisers and sponsors. And they think that that's going to be the way that they're going to get to multiple six figures, seven figures and beyond. That's not the reality. So you have to have a better strategy. We believe podcasting should lead people to want to or should lead people to purchase your high ticket offer and that. Mm then leads to the question of, do you have a high ticket offer? Because if you don't, then there's your first problem. So it, it's just looking at the whole strategic way that you're approaching the podcasting. But a lot of people are focused on audience alone. We don't ignore the audience. Absolutely not. But there's a deeper strategy behind. It's really about building high trust relationships, Jackson, at the end of the day. Yeah. And uh, well, as you mentioned, that's that strategic element too. Um, and are you, are you looking at it from a position of strategy um, in order to just kind of launch hoping for the best? Um, and are you kind of also keeping those strategies close to your chest um, you know, rather than being willing to openly see it? Oftentimes, I think a lot of entrepreneurs keep it so close to their chest that they also can't see their own strategy, um, right? They haven't even acknowledged it within themselves. I look at that with authors. A lot of people publish their book <laughs> yeah. thinking they're going to be a multimillionaire. Um, and they come to that hard realization that, man, um, I didn't, I, I don't, I guess I'm not, I, I, they get to the point where they see that they're not getting the reviews that they wanted or the publication, the, pub, the, the publication they want. But I think more so people along the path start to realize, oh, I really didn't prepare well for this. And so they shift the way they talk about their goals and they say, oh, well, it's really not about the money. Oh, well, it's really not about the reviews. Right. Oh, well, it's really not about uh, the marketing. Oh, well, I only did it for the people who know about my book. Um, we, we tend to say, we tend to trick ourselves into believing certain things um, when in reality that was never the original intent. Um, so nonetheless, I, I digress. 
to your, to your point, right. it's maybe a way for people to justify the failure. Yeah. And to be able to say, oh, yeah, no, I never really intended for this to be my main business. Mm-hmm. When all along, that was maybe the intent. But once they get into it and they start producing the podcast episodes and they realize, okay, wait a minute, I'm, let's say, recording everything on Zoom. And then I have to download everything from Zoom. Then I need to edit them down. Who's doing that? I don't have the skill set. Next thing you know, you're down a rabbit hole on YouTube trying to find nine hours worth of training videos that you can consume so you can understand how to edit. You know, you start going down this rabbit hole and next thing you know, you find yourself not doing the income generating activities that you should be doing as a business owner. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to open um, a little bit of a a little bit of a conflict for us um, in a good way. I'm really excited about okay. it. I, I think it will be helpful to debate the subject. And I would I, I don't want you to hold back um, on, on anything we discuss. I I, you have good, um, complete uh, right to argue with me on this. Um, I am not a fan of the high ticket offer programs. Okay. Um, and there's a big, there's a number of big concepts as to why. Um, but I'll, I'll use this, uh, this screen here and we're all learning as we go. I mean, until I'm Elon Musk or, you know, Richard Branson or, uh, Jeff Bezos, I think it's fair to say, I don't know everything about business. Um, you know, I think we have a long, All right, let's debate. <laughs> let's go. Let's do it. All right. Business models. So, you know, you, you and I both know 96% of business owners are failing. And what I see happening in the market is that traditionally the business owners are going out there and they're telling these, uh, these providers, Hey, how much is it going to cost me to do X, Y, or Z? And they're putting that, that, that purchasing decision in the hands of the provider rather than being wise stewards over what they're doing, right? That traditional estimate, when you put that in the hands of somebody else, you are basically saying, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Will you please build my business model for me? I don't think that works. Number two, people are getting a little bit more savvy. They're calling their traditional estimates high ticket offers and they're creating cookie cutter program solutions and saying, hey, this is personalized and customized, but I hate to break it to people. You can't customize an offer. An offer is what it is. It's already stacked. And I see a lot of clients uh, of mine, I see a lot of past clients going into these types of programs, expecting to get something um, that is cookie cutter, that serves their business model well. They get a guarantee. Um, and next thing you know, the the company does not honor the guarantee. And what do you do? Um, I mean, you can, you can try to sue them. Um, you can try to uh, fight it with a chargeback, but depending on how long it's been, you might struggle with that too. What I see winning though is the pay what you can model and the pay what you want models. I see those business models be more effective, but I'd love to stop there, give okay. you a chance to to frame this again. And it's not what I'm not saying. I'm not saying I can make your lives unimportant. I'm also not saying that your guarantee is isn't uh, is a scam or anything. I I do believe that there are people who provide great guarantees. They're an important part of validating a business model too. Um, what I would love your interpretation on is how do we make room for offers that are ethical, um, that business models, the businesses can win with and, and not get trapped into an overpromise. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. And so I think when we talk about the word guarantee, uh, mm-hmm. it does conjure images of programs where people say, pay me my full fee and I guarantee it's going to work. 
and and that's typically what we see. That's not the model that we you we talk about guarantee from a marketing byline, right? It's like earn seven figures with a podcast in two years or less guaranteed. But behind that word guarantee in our world, we we really think about it from a risk reverse perspective. Mm -hmm. And so risk reversal is a, a really much more advanced strategy that a lot of, frankly, a lot of business coaches are not willing to do because they're not willing to stand behind and guarantee their results. They want the full fee up front. And here's, here's the training and whatever that involves. And if you uh, don't commit to doing it, then, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's on you. What mm -hmm. we've done is we've decided, no, we're going to risk reverse this so that we take, so for example, we have a program, 87.5% of the fee for the program is linked to their financial results. So we don't get paid unless they reach those echelons, boom, right. boom, boom, through the process over the course of two years or less. Now, there is a fee that is non-negotiable up front because we have a lot, you know, we do have some hard costs that we have to be able to cover, right. to get that person started in a program. But risk reversal is a very different thing than just yeah. what we would traditionally see as designed as a guarantee in a program. Exactly. So what we're looking at then, uh, and I'll put a theoretical number out there um, for this, but ultimately, if you help an entrepreneur hit $100,000 in revenues earned you know, over one, two months, whatever that timeline looks like, then you are guaranteed on your end a payment at a certain percentage of revenues that were generated. Is that correct? Yeah. So for example, it could and that's be justified because, because right. of course you've helped them achieve a hundred thousand dollars in revenues earned that they would not have otherwise earned on their own. Right. And so using your example, it could be structured in such a way where uh, let's say it's a, a six figure program. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the idea would be, I'm going to help you earn six figures through this particular process. I'll use any, any description, like I'm going to help you, um, in your coaching program or whatever, the program fee might be 25,000. Mm -hmm. So 25,000 to earn 100,000, that 25,000 doesn't have to be paid up front or all in one shoot, right? It can be, yep. let's say, um, structured in such a way where it's 2,500 to get started in the program. And then as that person reaches 10,000, there's another linked payment. They reach you know, 50,000, there's another linked payment. When they reach the final 100,000, then they have the final linked payment. I think that is a much smarter approach, not only from the perspective of the client, right? Which gives them absolute assurance that the people that they're teaming up with are actually committed to their financial success. Right. So I like that model for that reason. I do too. I think it, I think it kind of escapes the traditional high ticket offer um, quadrant as well as what I was, what I was talking about where you're paying um, and it's not even necessarily about the upfront aspect. It's about the elements of the offer that are being um, being utilized to coerce or manipulate somebody into moving forward. That's not the case with this. And they're getting the opportunity as well to go to icon maker and learn about exactly what it is. The program functions like, um, and I just hope business owners who, listen into this, take the chance to go to that event and learn everything that they can, um, you know, about the process of who they're working with and how things are done. Go ahead. I was just going to say that the other element of the risk reversed offer that I mm -hmm. think is worth mentioning is the fact that it, it isn't, it is by application because the 
the the business owner needs to know that they can help that person actually achieve those results. Right. Exactly. So um, there is an element of of being able to um, identify. You know, this isn't this isn't an open. Hey, everybody who wants to give me money, come on to this program. No. Right. It's more about apply. See if we can help you. If we can't help you, then it's not a good fit because the majority of our fee is actually linked to results. So why Correct. would we bring someone into a program, even if they are flashing their money and saying, take my money, we wouldn't do it because we wouldn't be able to take them to that, to that place that they need to be. So exactly. I think that is also really powerful. What happens, I think, in a lot of, a lot of times in the space is people are willing just to, you know, you have a credit card, let's go. And right. we're not really um, proponents of that. Yeah. So if you're looking at this and you're considering the idea of, of launching your podcast or moving something forward, um, ultimately, uh, just to recap in slightly different words, um, Cheryl's team will has every reason to want to bring the right people in because if you fail, they don't get to collect on the back end of their fees, which is where the bulk of the revenues come from. So if you take a chance on somebody who's uh, not well prepared to be on camera, um, or it just seems really resistant to that process. Like you're more likely to push them. She's more likely to push them out because right. why would you go through that process of trying to help somebody who's going to be difficult, um, as you try to train them up and teach them on, on how to succeed. So, uh, I definitely love that element about, um, the way you guys have structured your program. Thank you. And the other thing, if, if someone is not a fit, we're very happy to provide other resources. Maybe we know of someone we can introduce them to who happens to train them on how to build up their, their confidence on camera. If, if that's the really where they're at. And sometimes people don't know where they're at. They need a third party to be able to give them constructive criticism about where they're at. Um, we as entrepreneurs, we're so close to what it is that we do that we can't see the forest for the trees often. Yeah. So I think it's helpful to have those uh, third parties who can come in and say, you think you're here, but you're actually over here. And the thing you actually need is not our program. You need this other thing right now. You need to sort that out before you come to here. You're diving into a lot of great wisdom uh, related to that. And it brings me to our next question. Um, so what powerful lesson can other visionaries learn from your experience along this journey? Hmm. When I got started, I really started in 2013, going down the path of, of learning about marketing. And I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. I just knew that I was drawn to it. I come to know now that there's an absolute connection between broadcasting and marketing. I just happened to have been doing it for a very successful $100 million company, <laughs> right? <laughs> Without really thinking about that, that's what I was doing was actually helping them to market. But I jumped in and I started investing in myself uh, pretty much right from the get-go, even at times when I didn't think I could afford it. Mm -hmm. And so I think the lesson that other visionaries can learn from, uh, from my experience is when you know in your heart that you're meant for something bigger, a bigger version of yourself, and you have a grander vision for where your life is should go and where your heart is telling you to go. And I believe God spoke to me in many ways, in many circumstances over the course of many years and led me down the path. But don't ignore that inner calling within yourself, that the reason that you're being called or you feel that inner knowing that there's something bigger and grander that you should be approaching or that you should be pursuing is not 
a message to ignore that is coming from a bigger place. And, um, and I listened to that voice, even through all the fearful times, even at the point when I looked at my bank account and there was $100 in there, that was a scary, scary moment. Um, but I persevered and I just applied a lot of the things that I learned as a teenager. Um, I started really on this whole path about facing my fears when I was 15, came from a broken home, uh, came from, you know, uh, not a lot of money. Right. And so I just pursued what I felt was in my heart, really beginning at the age of 15 and started doing things that were very uncharacteristic for myself, but they were all based in fear. And every time I would tackle something that was fearful, I would, something great would come out on the other end. And so I just learned at an early age that that's really what it's all about. It's about facing fears. Um, so I listened to my inner voice, persevered, did it anyway, um, without feeling like I had to know all the answers. In wow. Okay. So there you were facing the hundred dollars in your bank account. Yeah. Um, how do you think that you mustered the courage to persevere in that scenario? And that, what did that perseverance look like? Well, some tears. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's tears. I mean, that's just the reality of it. There were some tears and then, um, so you have a good cry, right? You have the ugly cry and then you dig in and you say, okay, how am I going to fix this? I think we all have resiliency built in, in, inside of us. And I think we also have resourcefulness and sometimes it takes just, uh, thinking about and make me, maybe even started by making a list. Okay. So I have $100 in this bank account right now. That's not what I want to have happen. Therefore, I need to look at this from the perspective of what can I do? What is in my control? What resources do I have? Let's make a list. Who do I know is the place I start? Who do I know who I can get on a call with, have a conversation with? How can I provide value to someone else? Whenever you position yourself as providing value to somebody else, good things will come. Good things will start to happen. So I think that's really where I would start is, is to think about, um, okay, great. I had my cry, maybe a little glass of wine, <laughs> you know, and then just move on and be like, okay, that's not, this is just a moment in time. This is just a phase that's going to pass, but I do have to take action and I have to make a list and I have got to figure out how I'm going to be resourceful in this moment. And I think we all have more resources, Jackson, than we realize until we start sitting down and making a list. Uh, we have more resources within ourselves than we realize. Right. Absolutely. Let's whiplash uh, shift to the opposite side. Law of abundance. Um, you were just on a cruise not too long ago um, for marketing purposes. And uh, that kind of led to this um, great opportunity on the abundance side. Um, what are some of the challenges that entrepreneurs are facing and what are some of the opportunities that, that they have with icon maker life? Well, I mean, listen, um, I look at it from two perspectives. One is that you should be as an entrepreneur, you need to be speaking. You need to be on stages. You need to, that could be podcast. It could be any type of stage, right? It could be in person. Uh, offline, online, it could be a conference, it could be a podcast, a summit, a live stream, whatever that is, you need to be present networking meetings, uh, be present, be visible, be willing to show up and be a speaker and provide tons of value based on your 
insights and experience and be willing to share that. You mentioned entrepreneurs who hold their cards close to the vest. That's not what you should be doing. You really need to be giving your best stuff away. So I think that the speaking piece is really important. And then on the flip side of that is the, now what platform do you control? What is something that you, you and I both podcasting is a, a great way to do that because it's something you control. And so you stepping into a place where you're willing to take the reins and take the responsibility and then make the commitment of and figuring out how this is going to come to fruition. Um, but it gives you great control to be able to leverage it and bring people on who you want to connect with. And so I think it's really twofold um, from an abundance perspective. It's about it's about being willing to give to the world and pour into the world and then be able to see uh, the fruits of that, um, of that giving come back to you. Yeah, absolutely. The more you give, the more you get. I'm a big yeah. believer in that as well. Yeah. Um, and so if you're in a position, so it's interesting. I saw a post today. I don't know how true it is, but it makes a lot of sense. It said four out of five millionaires um, are created. Uh, don't, they don't work for themselves. They work for somebody else. Um, and that was a really interesting mm-hmm. stat, especially by an entrepreneur to post the guy who posted, I was like, huh, that's so, so not his style either to point out. Um, but there's, you know, there's that anomaly of, of the, the one who's not part in the five, um, right. Who's not part of those five. Those to me remind me of like, oh, wow. Yeah. The, if you look at Mark Zuckerberg or, um, Jeff Bezos or others are the ones who hit it much, much larger than the millions. And if you look at somebody who's amounted, uh, accumulated a million dollars, what's your guesstimate, Cheryl? How long will that million dollars last them if they retire today? Oh, (laughs) not very long. (laughs) No. million dollars. I mean, you know, listen, I I I was born in the 70s. And in in the 1970s and 1980s, when I was young, you know, uh, a young person, and I'm, do you remember the song by the Bare Naked Ladies? And it was like, if I had a million dollars, right? There was always this sort of like a um, million dollars seemed like so much. Well, maybe at that time it was, mm-hmm. you know, but it isn't that much anymore, really. In the world that we live in, kind of coming back to the beginning of our conversation, it's it's not going to last that long, <laughs> frankly. Right. Right? Especially if you run into health challenges, um, oh, you know, or any other oh. life challenges that just happen to come up, they're going to come up. You can't avoid, you know, catastrophes and adversities in life. That's part of what builds us. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It goes fast. Um, goes you know, and, and the more you have it, um, the more likely it is to, to go faster too. Um, so you're helping businesses, um, establish the podcast. I love it. Um, I love what you guys are up to, um, as a mission, the, the seven figure route to, of, of not, we're not talking about seven figure and cut off. Um, we're talking about seven figures with a vision of growing and expanding uh, a legacy um, an impact that can test, can stand the test of time content that will exist, hopefully decades down the road where your grandchildren you know, are getting to see what you're up to and stuff. It's just absolutely amazing. What other elements of vision would you like to share about um, what you feel like your entrepreneurs are going to accomplish over the next three to five years? You know, we, we, we tend to work with and attract people who we would um, consider to be um, what Tom would call dolphins. So uh, these are people that want to give back, right? And so I know that you're heavily involved in the water project and you have that philanthropic um, 
layer to what it is that you do as well. So you'd be considered a dolphin, right? Um, And so am I. So I think that we attract and want to work with the people that have a grander vision. It's not just about the money. The money is necessary, right? We need to be uh, profitable, but it's a vehicle to do greater good in the world. So our belief is really about doing good and making money at the same time. Yeah. And so uh, one of the things that we teach is the philanthropic uh, workshop and that there's a tie back to a project that could be near and dear to your heart. And, and when you add that layer in, all of a sudden it becomes, your mission becomes something bigger than just the money. The money is necessary. We need that. But it's about something bigger and grander. Um, it is really, I think, about legacy. It is about financial freedom. It is about being able to um, have um, generational wealth and building those things into what it is that you're doing. And there is awesome. enough for everyone, right? And you talked about abundance earlier on um, yes. the belief that there's enough for everyone. There really is. Uh, there are people who will suppress that. And especially in different countries, we, we, we're very fortunate not to live in North Korean concentration camp, for instance. Um, and at the same time, this world does have enough. Um, if we were just smarter about how we distribute it and, and we cared enough to look at how do we make sure that everybody has the food they need, the water they need, the oxygen's there, everything is there. We just need to um, be wiser about how we distribute it. So um, to get off my soapbox a little bit and back on to uh, putting you on the, uh, not just the pedestal, but putting you on the spot. Um, let's say we got a plumber out there who may want to launch a podcast. Does he have to talk about plumbing as a podcaster? Um, you know, or what route would you guide him down? I'm just curious or her. Yeah. I mean, I think if you really strategize and you, you think about uh, the conceptualization of a podcast to whatever it is that that plumber is trying to accomplish. So the plumber is trying to uh, get more, get more business, but how we look at it is figuring out, and this is one of the key fundamental parts of this is figuring out the right fit audience um, that, that, that contains the right fit client, mm-hmm. not just strictly the right fit client, because sometimes that is um, good for you. It's too linear. It's too, um, how do I say this? But like too, too direct. Sometimes people think I'm a plumber. Therefore I must do a plumbing podcast or I must be on plumbing shows. Not necessarily, you know? So for example, talking to someone about, um, mental health, you know, her cause is, is all about mental health. And, um, and so who has the right fit audience that contains the people who can help her maybe build more partnerships. So it's really looking at it from that strategic perspective. Um, And it is case by case. That's why we are able to guide people when we're working with them on developing their game-changing offer, their philanthropic workshop, you know, all the different elements and the podcast itself, but they all have to align in order for it to work. I love that. I like the way you frame that too, about looking for the audience that the clients would be in, or another word for that would be the community. Um, you know, that that person's participating in, um, and, and, uh, do you, you know, if you're a plumber, but you have other ideas you want to be talking about in life, then you have every right to be able to go for that. And you do have an audience that is likely they're going to be very interested in what is you have to put out in the world and tie that with a strategic partner who can guide you along the way. So Cheryl, is there anything you'd like to add at the end, um, other than where people should connect with you? No, this has been fun, Jackson. I love your line of questioning. Um, it's refreshing to be asked some uh, some great questions. I just love it. Um, I'm very much a proponent of that. And I think that 
um, you know, Icon Maker Live, we've designed it so that it can really take people and really help them become icons in their industry. That's that's the long and short of it. IconMakerLive.com uh, Icon is where you can go to learn more about it. Um, the Seven Figure Podcaster Program is something that um, I'll be leading along with my partners in the joint venture. We're really uh, just getting started. We have a lot of um, a lot of uh, ambition, you know, within us and a lot of experience. I think we had calculated that we have over 90 years of experience combined, <laughs> which might be, you know, letting our ages out there, but uh, we're certainly excited about it. And um, yeah, I think it's just really thinking about the impact that you can have by having something that you control your own podcast is a really powerful thing. And podcasting is only growing in popularity. Right? Yeah. It's a huge, huge industry, and it's only continuing to grow um, as more and more people find this amazing medium to be able to learn and to you know. I don't know about you, but I, you know, I like I listen to podcasts and audiobooks all the time. I love to feed my brain. I want to listen to things that are positive, and uh, I'll go for a walk or when I'm in the car. I'm always just trying to better myself, and podcasts are a great way to do that. Absolutely. Cheryl, it's been a delight. Uh, Vision Pros who are listening, um, podcasting is not new. It's just a new medium. TV, radio, standing on soapboxes, literally and speaking, like this process has been around for generations. Um, this is just the modern platform that you have the opportunity to utilize to get your own message out there. But that's really what it's about. It's about getting your message out there. And when Cheryl talks about accumulated years, right, of, of multiple people being involved, 90 plus years of experience, I want you to stop and think about this for a minute. If I took 100 young podcasters with, with two years of experience each, I could reach that same level of 90 years of experience, quote unquote. But to be able, I would much rather personally take three people or four people who have decades of experience because the wisdom that comes from overcoming the challenges over time far outweighs the uh, the wisdom that what the, the little bit of wisdom one might gain out of two to three years of experience playing around with some bells and whistles. Um, so Cheryl, Tom, um, oh man, I need to remember that name. Jeff, how do you say his last name? Levine. Levine, much like Adam Levine, not the singer though. Um, and Danella Burnett, uh, those are those are people that have years of wisdom and experience that go stretch far beyond the existence of podcasts, but they have just as much access as any young person does to the same types of technologies. Um, so I would be I would be looking at aligning myself with people who have decades of experience and seeing what what hills have they seen over that that I have not? Cheryl, thank you for putting on Icon Maker Live. I'm looking forward to seeing it myself and uh, continuing our relationship as time goes on. Thank you so much, Jackson. It's been a pleasure to be on Vision Pros. Thank you. Absolutely. Everybody have a wonderful day. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an excellent